0: you're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Genesis chapter 8 and in Exodus chapter 40 and in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, you're going to find God calling specific attention to the first day of the year on three significant events that will help all of us going into a new year. Now let me ask you a question. What what's the big deal about a new year? Well, God obviously thought it was a big deal because in the creation at the very beginning of all of this in the creation, the Bible said on the fourth day of creation that God said let there be lights in the firmament. And God made the sun, God made the moon, and God made all the stars. The Bible said he made the stars also. And he made all of them, and then he tells us why he made them. He made the great, the great light, the sun, to rule the day, the lesser light, the moon, to rule the night. <clears throat> and the Bible said, and let them be for signs in the heavens. And then he said, and let them be for, for times and for seasons. So the, the, the stars and the heavenly bodies, God put them out there in space for many reasons, but specifically at creation. He put them in the heavens, Genesis chapter 1. He put them in the heavens for signs. He put them in the heavens for, for times and for seasons. Now remember, God is an eternal God. But he made this world and he confined it to the constraints of time. And why did he do that? Well, if God knew something about human nature, He knew something about us living in this world, on this globe, that we were going to have times and seasons, and we were going to need times and seasons. It's wonderful to go into uh, springtime. I love springtime, when the buds are on the trees. Remember, we get that about sometime in June. Uh, here in Colorado. It's usually like June 1 or June 2, and it's for a day. And then it's summer, and then it's winter again in July, remember? Um, but, uh, but there's times and seasons that God has given us. And listen, God, God gave us time, and then he broke time into manageable segments, segments to be stewarded. He broke time into seconds, into minutes, into hours, into days, into weeks, into months, into years, into decades, into centuries and millennia. What did God do? God broke time into segments of, of, of manageable space where we can say every single day, today's a new day. The mercies of God are new today. What I did yesterday is gone. What, I, what, what is waiting for me tomorrow may never be. What I have today is right here in front of me. And God wants us to manage today. And when we make it around the sun, 365 of those days, we get an opportunity to have a new year. And God gave us new years, and he put some important things in new years for a couple of reasons. Because in our human nature, there are some times we need to stop, and we need to reflect there are times we need to look back <clears throat> and say, what have I been doing with my life? This is a reminder that life is fleeting. I remember I graduated high school in 1991. I remember thinking that 1991 would never get here. I remember thinking that Jesus would come before 1991. A guy wrote a book years ago called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Would Come in 1988. How many of you ever read that book? We had a lady in our church years ago when I was a teenager. She read that book. She was a new Christian. She believed it. September the twelfth, the thirteenth, and the fourteenth—one of those days during the Feast of the Trumpets—is when Jesus was supposed to come. This guy wrote a book. He laid all the details out. Eighty-eight reasons why he was going to come back in, in nineteen eighty-eight. September the twelfth, thirteenth, or fourteenth. This lady went down to the store. She um she she took her kids down. She bought all her kids brand new clothes. Her son a brand new suit. Girls brand new dresses. They had a giant dog, and their dog's name, I think, was Snoopy. It was a giant German Shepherd. She bought a 100-pound bag of dog food, put it out there, and they all got on the porch. And they were waiting for Jesus to come in their brand new clothes. Snoopy was over there, and he ate all 100 pounds of that bag of dog food. And and jesus didn't come But I remember thinking man, he's gonna come before I graduate high school The lord's gonna come before I get married man. I I didn't want him because I said lord even hold terry you're coming I want to get married and um And then I had kids i've been praying even so come quickly lord jesus (laughs) Uh, But the truth is God has given us times of of life to sit down and to reflect and look back and say, okay, what have I been living for? What have I done with my life? Life is fleeting. Life is moving. I never thought 1991 would come, and yet it is now a distant memory. And here we are, beginning 2023. Who'd ever thought? We're supposed to have flying cars by now. We we don't even have good self-driving cars right now. And so... Life is fleeting, and it's a time to reflect. And listen, not only that, but it's a, time, it's a time to plan. It's a time to say, okay, Lord, what am I gonna do with the time that I have left? God has given us new years, and he's given us these times and these seasons of looking at our lives in the light of stewardship. And that's really what I wanna put on your heart today. I want you to look at your life as a fleeting life what is your life it's a vapor it appears for a little time and then it vanisheth away I was uh, thinking about that this week as I held that little grandbaby I got to thinking about I cannot believe that just it seemed like just a few weeks ago my daughter was running around the house and we were changing her diaper and putting her down and rocking her to sleep and now now she's got a baby running around the house and where did life go? Life is but a vapor. It appeared for a little time and vanished away. And these are seasons where God wants us to examine ourselves and to look at life through his eyes and to reflect on it. I think about today, millions of people who woke up, or maybe who aren't yet awake, but when they awake today, they will awake with so much regret and guilt of what happened yesterday and last night. And they'll be waking up with heavy feelings of remorse, guiltiness. And uh, there are some who greet the new year with an attitude of, well, I don't care. Just another year, another day, what's the big deal? Let me tell you this, all those attitudes are unhealthy attitudes. This is an opportunity that God has given us to look at life and say, okay, Lord, here it is, you've given me this year. I don't know what this year holds, but I know that you've allowed me to enter into it. And as long as I'm going to be here, I want to finish my race faithfully. Let me give you three great new years that God points our attention to in the Old Testament that I think have a great weight on the life of the believer. Look at Genesis chapter 8. If you know where we are in the scripture, in the story of the scripture, Genesis chapter 8, Noah and his family are still on the ark. God has seen the wickedness of the earth God has seen the violence of the earth. God has seen the sexual perversion of the earth. God has seen the breakdown of the family. God has seen the wickedness of man's heart. The Bible said that every thought of of, of, imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. All man could do was just defy God in their minds and in their actions. The family was decimated, people were, were doing whatever they wanted, they were eating, were drinking they were making merry they were uh, giving in marriage and divorcing and remarrying and they were just the whole society was decaying and there was violence and confusion and brokenness and god said i repent that i've made man and so god sent a great flood and god flooded this world and many people don't believe that but god flooded the world But he put this family, Noah, in his family. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 6, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God, through his grace, put Noah in the ark of safety and brought him over those floods. And there they are, up on the Mount of Ararat. At this time in Genesis chapter 8, the ark is rested on the Mount of Ararat. By the way, if you do the calculation, the ark rested on the Mount of Ararat the same exact day Jesus rose from the dead. Same day of the year that Jesus came out of the grave alive. And there, Noah and his family are in this ark. they're waiting for the waters to abate. And notice what happens in Genesis chapter eight and verse 13. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month. The waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold. The face of the ground was dry and in the second month on the seventh and 20th day of the month was the earth dried and God spake unto Noah saying go forth of the ark thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons wives with thee and he said I want you to bring all the cattle and all the animals out now let me tell you what had happened before this they're in the ark they're in this great coffin The ark was a picture of a, it was the same dimensions as a coffin. And they're sitting in there and they're wondering, when are we going to come out? Noah, remember he sent out some ravens. And the ravens never came back. And why was that? Well, think about it. There was death everywhere on the planet. Those ravens, when they flew out, they could find a place to rest on some floating carcass. And they had a place to put their feet down on that old corruption. They had a diet now. They had a full meal to eat on whatever death was flying. And they could just fly from carcass to carcass to carcass. And they could feed on whatever they wanted to feed. And they never came back to the art. And that's a picture. That's a picture in the Old Testament of man's first nature, his first birth, his first nature is earthly, and it feeds on the things of this earth. It feeds on death and destruction and decay and filthiness. It's our, that's our old nature. But then later he took, remember the doves, and he sent the dove out. A dove is a picture of that nature from above. Remember when Jesus was being baptized, the Holy Spirit came down in the like figure of a dove and rested upon him. Remember that? And it's a picture there of that new nature. And the dove went out and flew around this earth, and all that could see was death and destruction and decay, and there was nowhere to put its feet down. So it came back to the ark. And Noah sent it back out again, and it came, it didn't, it didn't return. Remember, it came back with an olive leaf, and then it didn't return and it had found a place, and then Noah looked out, and the ground now was dry, and vegetation was growing. And what are we talking about here? What, why is that significant on the first day of the first month of that 601st year? Why was that important that God said, on this New Year's Day, he looked out, and the waters were gone, and the earth was dry, and Noah could come out of that ark? What's he talking about here? Listen, he's talking about regeneration And salvation. God had judged the world. The water speaks of judgment and death and destruction for sin. And now, all of that was gone. The power of sin had been destroyed. God's judgment had been satisfied, and God had destroyed it. And now, there was a world that was beginning to teem with life, a, a world that a resurrected life as Noah and his family came out of that coffin, the ark, and they came into a new world with that new nature, born from above. They were coming into a world. Of of new life. Regeneration. And let me tell you what God was saying here in this first new year that God brings our attention to in the book of Genesis. He was saying, there's something you better know going into this year. You better know that you've been regenerated. You better know that you've been born again. I'm speaking to some people here in this room today that perhaps you don't, you've never been born again. Uh, You've joined a church. You've been baptized. You've uh, you've 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 attended church. You've you've tried to live a good life and be faithful to your life, but there's never been a time in your life when you were born from above, when your old nature was crucified with Christ, and a new nature was given to you. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said to Nicodemus, "You must be born again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must be born again." And Nicodemus said, "How can I be old, enter again, and second time into my mother's womb and be born?" He said, "Oh no, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born Born of the spirit is spirit, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. In other words, you must be born from above. You need a new nature in you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away, behold, all things become new. Noah was walking into a world where all things were passed away and all things had become new. He was going into a new world, into a new life, into a new place where it was just God and Him in that new nature, that new life. It's a picture of salvation it's a picture of coming out of death and into life and coming into a place of regeneration and i want to say to you today listen to me don't you go another day into 2023 without knowing that you've been born from above the bible says boast not thyself of tomorrow thou knowest not what a day may bring forth we don't you know (laughs) i've got all kinds of vision and plans for this year but i want to tell you i don't know what's going to happen i i I have all kinds of plans for the next 12 months but i don't really know what's going to happen in the next 12 minutes And neither do you. And you better know that you're saved. I'm telling some of you this morning, I'm I'm putting you on notice, in 2023, Christ is coming. Life is fleeting. You need to know Christ as Savior today. If you've never been born again, I implore you today to come to Jesus Christ by faith in the best way you know how, repenting and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me and save me. I've got an old nature of a raven who wants to feed on the corruption of this earth. I need a new nature, born from above. I need to be born again, and you come to Christ by faith, and you listen to me. His death on that cross, His burial, His resurrection. He will give you life eternal. He'll give you new life. He'll give you a life born from above. He'll give you a life that will never find a resting place. He'll never find a resting place in corruption. It'll be like that dove flying and saying, I'm not, I'm not lighting on that. I'm looking for life. I'm looking for growth. I'm looking for things that are above and not things that are beneath. I'm looking for a regenerated life. Listen. You need to be born again. That's what what God pointed our attention to in Genesis chapter eight. After he judged this world with sin, he gave us a picture of a new life and regeneration. Are you born again? I want you to stop and think about it right now. Are you born again? Now notice I didn't ask you the question, are you a member of a church or have you been baptized? Or have you ever had communion? Or are you nice to your neighbors? I asked you, was there a time when you were born again, have you come to Jesus Christ by faith, trusting it? This is a great opportunity to begin the year with new life. Let me show you the second thing. Look at Exodus chapter, look at Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, if you know where we are in the story of the scripture, Israel has come out of Egypt, God has given Moses the instruction on how to Uh, He's given him the law and then he's given him instruction on how to come before God's presence And he's given them the instruction on how to build the tabernacle. You remember that? Look at exodus chapter 40 and look with me in verse number two watch this And on the first day of the first month Thou shalt set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation Now look with me over there very quickly. God told him what day to do it now look at verse number 17 And it came to pass on the first month in the second year on the first day of the month That the tabernacle was reared up And moses reared up the tabernacle and fastened the sockets and set up the boards thereof and put in the bars thereof and reared up His pillars and spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle. Now I want you to see that The tabernacle was not the tent He's put he put the tabernacle over the or he put the tent over the tabernacle Now why is that important? Because the word tabernacle means dwelling place. And the tent was not the dwelling place. The tent covered the dwelling place. God was going to dwell with his people in that place. The tabernacle was the place where God was going to dwell in the midst of the people. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you'll know that when Israel was traveling across the wilderness, they were to set up the tabernacle, and they were to put that tabernacle uh, in the middle of the camp. And then they were going to encamp the tribes all around about it. and And the tribes encompassed all about that tabernacle. And in the midst of the children of Israel, there was that place where God's glory was, and God dwelt in the midst of his people. God desired to have a dwelling place with his people. And so Moses spread the tent over the tabernacle. Now the tent was not the dwelling place, the tent just covered the place where God dwelt. I want you to see this. Because what this whole idea of the tabernacle, and I, I wanted to read this whole passage of scripture this morning, but for sake of time, I won't read all of it, but I want you to look down in verse number 24. And he put the candlestick in the tent of the congregation over against the table and on the side of the tabernacle southward, and he lighted the lamps before the Lord. As the Lord commanded Moses, and he put the golden altar in the tent of the congregation before the veil, and he burnt sweet incense thereon. Now, everybody knows that that light, that candlestick in there was a picture of the abiding presence of God, and the the altar of incense was a picture of the prayers of the saints. It was God dwelling with his people, and the people being able to approach God with prayer and sacrifice and speaking to the Lord. Everybody with me this morning? Then the Bible says he, he put the hanging up in verse twenty eight. Uh, he put the hanging up at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar of burnt offering by the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation, and offered upon it the burnt offering and meat offering as the Lord commanded Moses. And he set the laver between the tent of the congregation and the altar, and put water there to wash withal. So here's what God did. God made the means of sacrifice. He made the means of washing. He made the means of fellowship with the candlestick and the and the showbread and. And the altar of incense, this is all a picture of man coming to God through through sacrifice and through cleansing and through fellowship. What is he talking about? Listen to me. The Old Testament tabernacle was a picture of God's presence with man. Now watch, what God desires with you is God desires relationship with you. He desires to dwell with you. He desires to walk with you. That's what God made us for. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, God made man, and God made him in his image. And the Bible says that God came in the cool of the day, and God walked with Adam, and he talked with him, and God and man walked face to face, and they talked, and and, and man, man beheld the glories and the wonders of God, and God imparted to man his wisdom and his love and all of his power and glory, and there was a fellowship between God and man that was unlike anything that you can imagine, God with man. But now listen, man fell into sin, and there was a division. Now man is driven from the garden. And so God develops now, God designs this tabernacle, this dwelling place, and through the blood of sacrifice and through the cleansing and through the, the rights of God's people, coming to God the right way back in holiness because of our sin, we had to come to God through the shedding of blood and through the, 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 the cleansing of our hands and the labor and, and making sure that we were clean to come into God's presence and fellowship with Him. But God made a way to dwell with His people. And then if you, if you fast forward, they're going to build a temple. We'll see that in a minute, but they're going to build a temple where God dwelt with His people more permanently in that temple, and He was in the midst of His people in Israel and among the whole nation and then later God came in the form of his son the Lord Jesus Emmanuel God with us to dwell with us and to walk with us and let me tell you what Jesus said in John chapter 15 in fact I want you to hold your finger right here in the book of Exodus and go back with me to the New Testament very quickly to John chapter 15 Jesus came God with us to dwell with us. But watch this. He's about to go away. In John chapter 14, he just said to his, he just said to his disciples, he said to his disciples at that Last Supper, he said, let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you i go to prepare a place for you. Now why? Why was he going to do this? That where I am, there ye may be also. God desired to dwell with his people. God wants to dwell with you. God wants to walk with you. God wants a relationship with you, not just with me, with you. He doesn't just talk to the pastor or to the priest or to the pope or to the hierarchy or to the bishops. There is none of that in the Bible. There is just God's people. I'm a child of God. I'm a growing Christian, with growing Christian. We're just children of God serving out our spiritual gifts within this body. But listen to me, God wants a relationship with you. He desires to know you, and you to know Him. He wants to walk with you, and talk with you. He wants to comfort you, and cheer you. He wants to encourage you, and equip you, and convict you, and grow you. God wants you. He wants all of you. And He made the means, and Jesus said, now listen, I'm going away, but I'm going away only to prepare a place for you, so that I can come back and get you, that you can be with me. And they said, but Lord, well." Where- Where are you going? We don't want you to go away. And he said, no, no, no. it's good for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, then I can't send the Spirit. But if I send the Spirit, then I can dwell with you. And watch what he said, and he's trying to explain all this in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, but watch what he says in John chapter 15. Watch this, John chapter 15. Verse number five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me. That's the word tabernacles. He that tabernacles in me. And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide, tabernacle not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. and They are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples over and over and over again. Abide with me. Tabernacle with me. Dwell with me. I want a relationship with you. Later on in this passage of scripture, he's going to say, I'm going to call you no longer my servants, but my friends. Listen to me very carefully. If there's one thing that I know Jesus Christ is adamantly against, it is religion. Religion. He is adamantly against religion. Because religion says, here's all the things you have to do to maybe get to him. Oh, listen, friend. No, no, no. Here's all the things he did to come to us. And he says, I want now, I want you to dwell in me, and I want to dwell in you, and I want to have relationship with you. That's, by the way, that's why at the judgment, he's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Relationship. Born again, sons of God, little children, Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, our brother. It's all relationship. Every bit of it is a relationship with Christ. And he told Moses way back in the Old Testament, way back on the first day of the first month of the first year, he said, now listen to me, on this first day of the year, I want you to put up this tabernacle so that I can dwell with you and I can have my presence with you and we can have relationship. Watch how this chapter ends in Exodus chapter 40. Watch this very quickly. Um, Exodus chapter 40 and verse number 31, and Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet therewith, and when they went into the tent of the congregation... Remember, the tent covered the tabernacle. When they went into the tent, what were they doing? They were going into the presence of God. They were going into that place where the relationship where God dwelt. Watch this. When they came in. The Bible says that they uh, came in and they went into the congregation. And when they came near unto the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate so Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See, now Moses couldn't go in because he wasn't a high priest. He he wasn't able to go in there. But this is all things that were for our learning. Listen, in the New Testament, <laughs> Jesus has made us kings and priests. We are now a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we can now come into the very presence of God. We can dwell in the glory of God. Oh, church, I want us all to know that in this year, you can have a vibrant, vital, wonderful relationship with your Lord. You can walk with Him and talk with Him. You can, you can hear His voice. I'm not talking about audibly. I'm talking about greater than that. I'm talking about, some people say, have you ever heard the Lord audibly? Oh, listen, I've heard him a lot clearer than that. I've heard him in those spiritual ears, down into the recesses of the heart, where he spoke into my heart and my life, personal things, wonderful things. You can have a relationship with the Lord this year. So what is God teaching us in the Old Testament about? the new year. Number one, you better be saved, regeneration. You better know that you're saved this year. Number two, if you are saved, have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. And then watch this very quickly, and this is a wonderful thing. Look over in Second Chronicles chapter 29. If you're aware of where we are in the story of the Bible, Israel has had king after king after king after king, and they've gone away from God in idolatry. And it's been a it's been a a very on and off relationship that Israels had with God and they had a king by the name of Ahaz and he was a wicked king and Ahaz did a couple of terrible things. Ahaz went to the temple. remember now they had taken that old tabernacle that was portable and they built a remember Solomon built a permanent temple. but let me tell you what Ahaz did Ahaz went to that temple and he nailed the doors shut he nailed the doors shut so that nobody could go into that temple because he wanted israel not to worship god he wanted them to go worship the gods that he had set up in the groves and the high places and baal and all the gods of the canaanites remember remember and and if you if you go back to second chronicles chapter 29 you'll find that The house of God, he had taken all the vessels out of the house of God. In chapter 28 and verse number 24, and he shut up and nailed the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every several city of Judah. He made high places to burn incense unto other gods. Mahaz had turned the people away from the Lord their God. And now, they were worshiping in all kinds of places. They were worshiping all kinds of things. Idol worship. These are God's people who are no longer now going into the, into the temple. They're no longer going into God's presence. They've, they've shut those doors. They have filled the house of God with trash and rubbish. And uh, the people now are worshiping in every corner, and every city, to every other kind of God that you can imagine. And by the way, these weren't, these weren't the Canaanites. These were God's people. And then God raises up a man by the name of Hezekiah in chapter 29. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he reigned. And watch verse number two. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that David his father had done. Now watch this. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired it. Did you see that? Let me tell you what he did. Watch this very quickly. I want to show you some things that he did. He opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Now listen, some people think, "Well, oh, that's wonderful. He's opening the church house. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. What? What? Know you not that your body is the temple? This isn't the house of God. You're the house of God. And when we all come together, he dwells in this. We are a temple collectively, as a church, but you're the temple all the time. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, you're bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are God's. And so here's the temple. It's the doors of it have been shut up. Well, what are the doors of our temple? The doors of our temple are our eyes. It brings things in. The doors of our temple are the ears, and we bring things into the temple through our eyes and through our ears. The eye affects the heart. The ear affects the heart. We see and hear the bible says the 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 apostles were told not to preach in the name of jesus and they said we can't help but speak the things which we have seen and heard what we have taken in and what we have taken in has got to come out the doors of the temple but many of us you know what we've done with the doors of our temple in 2022 we have closed our eyes to the things of god we've closed our ears to the things of god Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My eyes will behold wondrous things from the law. Lord, let my eyes be filled with the light of your word and my ears hear what the spirit of God says to me. I need spiritual ears and spiritual eyes, but many of us have our eyes closed and we have our ears closed and it's time to open the doors of the temple. Get our eyes and our ears open to the Lord. Notice what else he did in verse number four. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites. And by the way, that's us. We're the priests. Sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Now, what is that? The holy place is the place where God dwells within you. Look, you have your body. You have your soul, and you have, if you're born again, you have a spirit. And that spirit is where the spirit of God dwells. It's that holy place. It's the place where you, where God abides with you. Let me tell you what happens in our lives in this world today. We begin to close our eyes to spiritual things, and we begin to close our ears to spiritual things. And there's no service in the temple. There's no, there's no light, there's no sound, there's no voice. We don't hear from God. We don't see things of God. We, our eyes become dull and dim. Our, ear, our hearing becomes dull and dim, and we don't hear from God like we used to. We can come to church sometimes and have a Bible in our lap, and the preacher preach a sermon, and we walk out before we ever get to the car. We can't remember what he preached about, or we think, man, that service was too long, or I didn't really like that song, and we missed what God had for us. We can become dull of hearing and dull of seeing. And the priests were unclean and there was filthiness in the temple. We get lax. We begin to take things in and we get and take things into our temple that are things against the word of God. And our hearts become filled with uncleanness. Notice what else happens here in verse number seven. Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Here, the lamps were out. There's no light in the temple. There's no witness. There's no light in the temple. There's no witness that there's a God of heaven that's worshipped here. There's no witness in us. There's no light in us. We're the light of the world. We're to be carrying the light everywhere we go in the darkness. But let me tell you, many of our temples, the doors are closed. The hearts are dull, there's unclean things in, and there's no light. There's no light. You know what we are? We, we become carriers of how negative the world is instead of how wonderful the Lord is. <laughs> you, you don't overcome the darkness with more darkness. You overcome the darkness with light. And light is more powerful than darkness. Have you ever heard of a flash dark? I can't turn a flash dark on and shine darkness all around this room. I can have a flashlight, and I can penetrate the darkness with one little light. Light is more powerful than darkness, but the lights in this temple were gone. There was no witness. There was no altar of incense. The altar was cold. There was no prayer. There was no prayer and worship of God. I'm not not talking about in here, I'm talking about in here. I'm talking about in here, in your heart, in my heart. Coldness, indifference, there were no sacrifices on the altar. There were no daily offerings of, Lord, I present myself to you. I'm giving my body as a living sacrifice. Lord, these are your eyes and your ears and your mouth and your heart and your hands and your feet and your mind. Lord, I want to think the things of Christ. I want to speak the things of God. I want to meditate on the things of the Lord. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to love what you want me to love. This body is your body. Lord, glorify yourself in my body which is yours. But the light was out. The incense was out. The altars were cold. And there was a lot of rubbish. Look at verse number 16. And the priest went in, To the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. That's, by the way, the inner part of the house of the Lord. That's that's into the holy of holies here. The inner part. They went in to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness. And by the way, listen, listen. what, What gets into the spirit of a man? What gets into the spirit of a man? The spirit of a man can become filled with uncleanness. You say, how do I know if my spirit is filled with uncleanness? Well, let me tell you what the works of that are. The works of an unclean spirit are anger, wrath, fornication, idolatry. You, you know, if, if I were, and it happened to me a lot this week with my little grandbaby, but if I were holding a cup of coffee or a cup of juice and he bumped my arm, you know what came out of that cup? Coffee or Juice. Let me, let me tell you how you can know what your heart is filled with. What, what comes out of you when you get jostled? What comes out of you when life bumps you? Because what comes out of you or what's in you. And in an unclean spirit, it's wrath and anger and frustration and idolatry and selfishness. Uncleanness. What's in a spirit-filled spirit? Love. Joy, peace, what comes, out a, what comes out of a spirit-filled Christian when life jostles him? Love comes out of him. Joy comes out of him. Peace comes out of him. He speaks peace into his family. She speaks peace into her family. There's love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness Oh, listen, I'm just telling you on this first day of the year, some of us need to come into the temple and we need to open our eyes and get the doors of our eyes and say, Lord, I want to behold wondrous things from your law. Open the doors of the temple of my ears. Let me hear what the Lord says. Thus saith the Lord. I want to hear from you. I want to walk with you. I want to fellowship with you. God, I want to start those altars of incense with prayer and begin to burn prayer and worship before you and sacrifice my body to you every day and become a priest that offers living sacrifices to God. My body wholly consecrated to God. And Lord, I want to purge out anything in my life that's unclean before you and be filled with the glory of God. Watch verse number 17. Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. Took them eight days, by the way. Seven days. On the eighth day, They brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord. Look at verse number 17. On the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord, and so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. Oh, and let me tell you what happened, man. You talk about, I can't even read all the sacrifices that were taking place in this passage of scripture, and then you get down here. We got to close in just a moment, but watch this. Look at verse number look at verse number twenty-eight. Verse number twenty-seven. <laughs> and Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. The song of the Lord began also with trumpets and with instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. I'm telling you, there were trumpets, there were cornets, there were cymbals, there were all kinds of music that they were playing in praise to God on the instruments that David had ordained to be used in the the praise of God. And the song of the Lord came, and the incense was going, and the altars were burning, and watch what happened in verse number number 28, and the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang. and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering and the finish. And you know what? There was probably one old prude in the back going, why are we singing this song? Of all the Psalms, why are we doing this one? No, the congregation was singing to the Lord. They were worshiping God. It had nothing to do with them. They were out of their selfishness. They had cleaned out everything, and they were offering glory and praise to God with one heart. Let me tell you this. I've told you this many, many times, and let me say it again. When we walk in these doors, we do not come in here to worship. We bring our worship with us. We worship the Lord in our temples. We worship the Lord Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We bring it back in here on Sunday and we all worship the Lord together. And we go back into our places and worship the Lord on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Everybody with me? It's opening the temple. And let me show you what happened as we close. Watch this. Man, they're singing. (laughs) This is amazing. Uh, The people were giving. Verse number 31, then Hezekiah answered and said, Now you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Come near, bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a free heart, burnt offerings. I mean, let me tell you something. People were just coming in, bringing with a willing heart. They were giving. They were giving. They were giving. They were giving. We have enough means in this church to do all that God wants this church to do if all of God's people would just let God have those means. And just say, Lord, here am I, and I'm going to give. And I'm not, this is not a message about money. This is a message about the heart. This is a message about saying to God, God, here, here am I. Uh, Lord, I want, I want God to fill this temple. I want this temple to belong to God. I want God to be glorified in my body and in my spirit. I want God to dwell in permeate my being and all let me tell you what happened they were bringing and bringing and bringing but look at verse number 34 but the priests were too few they could not flay all the burnt offerings wherefore their brethren the levites did help them till the work was ended let me tell you the whole place everybody said where <laughs> the laborers were few and everybody just said well here where can i jump in how can i help I'm ready to get my hands dirty. I'm ready to get in and serve and find a place to be a part. I'm ready to get in and get involved. That's what happens when God shows up in the temple. This, what am I talking about? You know what this whole thing is? Noah, first day of the year, it was all about regeneration. You better know that you're saved. This, this planet is on a collision course with the wrath and judgment of God. You better know that you've been born again, and you're in the ark of safety, and you've been redeemed, and you are regenerated, and you have life from above. What Moses was teaching us with the, with the principle of the first year with the tabernacle is that God desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and fellowship with you. And what we're learning from Hezekiah and the temple in the Old Testament is that oftentimes oh, those of us who've been saved a while, the people of God, our eyes have grown dim, our ears have grown dull, our hearts have grown cold, the light has gone out, there's filthiness that's come in, the spirit of God is quenched and it's time for revival. With Noah, it was regeneration. With Noah, with Moses, it was relationship. And with, with Hezekiah, it was revival. It was a new passion and love for God. You know what revival is? Revival is just a new, Renewed passion and love for Christ That's what revival is And new life comes in Let me tell you something The glory of God showed up These people were singing and praising And glorifying God And look at verse number 36 And Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people that God had prepared The people For the thing was done Suddenly I'm talking about in one day, the nation went from an idolatrous, corrupt nation to a people filled with the love of God and worship for God. In one day, when they began to open things up and clean things out and say, okay, God, revival. Let me tell you this. Now, I don't know what you need on the first day, but I want to tell you how you can have the best year of your life. If you've never been born again, today's the day to be born again. Because let me tell you something right now, if you're lost today, listen to me, if you're lost today, whatever good you get out of this year is all the good you're ever going to get. This is as good as it gets for an unsaved man, unsaved woman. But if you are saved today, the things of this world cannot satisfy you. You need a relationship with the Lord. You need a place where God dwells in you, and you need to come to him. If you've been cold, you need revival today. And say, Lord, on this first day of the year, Lord, I want to have that vibrancy. I want to remember what it was when I was first saved. I want that joy, and I I want that heart for God back. Lord, cleanse me and purge me. Renew me. And I'll tell you what the Lord will do, he'll renew you in the spirit of your mind and the thing will be done suddenly. You could have come in here with a cold heart, but you can leave here with a warm heart. You can do it just right now. You're a prayer away from having revival in your own heart today. The best way I know how as a pastor, I didn't want to just preach a fancy sermon. I wanted to come to our church this morning on this beginning of the year and say, thus saith the Lord, the first day of the year, can be a day of regeneration. You can have a new life in Christ today. It can be a day of renewed relationship with the Lord. It can be a day of revival and cleansing and that renewal, that joy that comes with knowing Him and worshiping Him. Don't you want that today? I want that today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, I'm praying this morning right now I'm praying today for those who do not know Christ as Savior, Lord, that today would be the day of new life, not just a new year, but a new life. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Lord, you did not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. You came that we might know you in salvation clearly, simply, wonderfully, through faith, by grace. Lord, I pray today that those who do not know Christ would be saved. I pray for our church family today that we would have renewed relationship and revival in our soul, and that this would be a year of drawing close to you and worshiping you. And Lord, that the altars of incense of prayer would be burning in our hearts, that it would be a life of witness, and the lights would be shining bright. Oh, Lord, let the light shine in this church, in our our beings, in our hearts, everywhere we go. May we carry the wonderful light of the gospel with us, Lord. I pray that we would live. We would live every day this year with renewed relationship with you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Who here this morning would say, Pastor? I know, and I know that I know that I've been saved. I've been redeemed. This is my story. This is my song. I have been redeemed. Would you slip your hand way up high? I know that I'm (laughs) saved. Isn't that wonderful? If if that's you, just say amen this morning. And I want you right now, if you just raised your hand, I want you right now to begin to pray. Lord, renew my heart. May this be a year of revival and renewal. Lord, I want a relationship with you. Begin to pray that. How many of you would say honestly before the Lord, Pastor, I don't know for sure that Christ is my Savior. I've never been redeemed i've never been regenerated i don't have that new life that you talk about but i want to be saved today i want to start this year off right by trusting christ as my lord and savior who's here would say pastor that's me would you slip your hand way up high just way up high you don't need to be ashamed don't need to be embarrassed just slip your hand way up high i want to pray with you in just a moment i want to give you an invitation to come and to trust christ Say, so that's me, Pastor. Would you slip your hand way up high? And let me see it. Let me pray for you. If you raised your hand this morning, and maybe you didn't, but you needed to, I want you to leave your seat in just a moment. I want you to make your way to the back. We have men and ladies standing back here ready to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved today. Don't delay. Don't wait another day. Don't boast to tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. God's given you this day. This is the day of salvation. Come to Christ today. Our heads about, our eyes are closed. If you're able to, would you please stand with me all over this room? Please stand. And I'm going to ask the piano to begin to play a brief invitation hymn. Father, I pray for those in this room that need to be saved, that they would have boldness and courage right now to take a step of faith and come to Jesus Christ. Lord, may they come today knowing Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for your people today that right here where we stand, we would take a moment and we would deal with you as you've dealt with us, that we would pray and have our hearts renewed today. Lord, I pray that we would be renewed in our relationship with Christ, that we would have revival in our hearts, that we would put the things of God first. Just take a moment while you stand and just pray today. Lord, help me. Thank you for the new year. Father, I pray that it would be true that we that song would be our song. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, I pray that there would be a revival in our hearts this year, a renewal of our relationship with you. Lord, that we would not just be content with a mediocre, devotional every day but Lord that we would really come into your presence and that we would fellowship with you and we would walk with you and that we would carry your light with us where we go and that we would really truly be the people of God in this dark age. Lord may we carry the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus. Lord bless this church this year. May this be a a year of revival and service and glory. Lord do a work in my heart and all of us today And we pray this as a people in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, Happy New Year.